Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Trunk Podcast for another week. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you guys on board, and thank you for downloading, streaming, however you listen to this podcast. It is appreciated. The Eddie Trunk Podcast is new every Thursday via podcastone.com and iTunes. It is free. Remember to go to podcastone.com to help keep it free. You'll find all the great sponsors of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, and because of them, we can bring you it each week with limited ads and no cost to you. And if you heard a sponsor that you want to try out or maybe you forgot about a sponsor you heard about and want to see a list, you can access that by clicking on the Killer Deals button at podcastone.com and visiting the Eddie Trunk podcast page. Just search my name in the search bar. We only approve sponsors that make sense for my audience, and each of my sponsors are listed there with the banners linked to the promotional deals and the promos listed by the brand. So everything you need, easily accessible in one place. So thanks to our sponsors and thanks to all of you for supporting them. And uh, don't forget the Eddie Trunk Podcast is also a participant in the Amazon Associates program. That's an affiliate advertising program designed to provide a means for me to earn fees by linking to Amazon.com and affiliated sites. You can link to Amazon via PodcastOne.com and the Eddie Trunk Podcast page. Appreciate you guys doing that. So Settling in for another week, a lot of stuff going on. As uh, Before we get into our interviews here, just a quick note of something that I want to share for you guys that will be of great interest. If you are a listener to my SiriusXM daily show on volume, which is live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on Channel 106, replays every night 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, most of the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast, come from that radio show. But really, just a fraction of them. I mean, I do anywhere from five to seven interviews a week these days, and I'll pick one or two and give them to you each week on the podcast a week or so after they air. But there's daily stuff happening on a daily basis, and if you're a listener and a subscriber to SiriusXM for my show there, Trunk Nation, I do appreciate it. 
I've got something really special happening with that show next week. I'm going to be going to Toronto, Canada. For really, from what I was thinking of, it's probably like the first time in 40 years (laughs) for me going to Canada. I think the last time I may have went was when I was like 10 or 12 with my parents to go to Niagara Falls. I've lived in New Jersey my whole life. It's like an eight, nine hour drive. And I remember being a kid doing the thing with Niagara Falls and going over the border and and all that. I have not spent any real time in Toronto or in Canada at all. And I don't live all that far away from it, from at least Toronto or Montreal. So I am looking forward to going there. And the reason why I'm bringing this up to you guys is because I am going there for that radio show, for my Sirius XM show. I didn't realize that Sirius XM has a studio in Toronto. And, you know, uh, was it last week, two weeks ago, I posted a little interview that I recently did with producer Bob Ezrin, where we talked about Kiss Destroyer. And during that interview, I said to Bob, I'd love to do a more in-depth interview with you. And he said, sure, we'll make that happen at some point. And Bob followed up and said, hey, you know, I'm in Toronto. Is there any way we could do the radio show from here? And to my surprise, Sirius XM had a studio. And they were willing to send me to do that interview with Bob. So all that to say, I'm going to be doing two shows, two days in a row, live from Toronto. And those shows will happen this Tuesday and Wednesday, April 4th and April 5th. April 4th will be an entire live two-hour conversation with Bob Ezrin. We'll talk Alice Cooper. We'll talk Pink Floyd. We'll talk Kiss. We'll talk all stuff in his career. We'll take your calls for that. Then, Wednesday, April 5th, from Toronto, I will be reuniting all three original members of the band Triumph. I am asked about Triumph all the time, and they are largely retired and have been largely inactive now for quite a while. Outside of Rick Emmett, who continues to do solo stuff, and of course had Gilmore and Mike Levine on his recent solo record. So I want to be clear about how this came about because I'm already seeing some stuff online that is taking this out of context. I was going to Toronto to do the Bob Ezrin radio show, the special with Bob Ezrin, which in and of itself is awesome. And while I was getting ready to go up there and talking to my bosses at Sirius XM, or I should say my boss, um, I I started to think, I said, well, if we're, if I'm going there and I'm flying up there, maybe we should look at doing a second or third show and do a little bit of a Canadian, a little trunk nation Canadian invasion and see who else is up there. So I thought of rush and the irony is that rush are coming to New York when I'm going to Toronto because next week rush Getty and Alex are inducting yes into the rock and roll hall of fame. So they'll be coming to New York. We'll be you know crossing in the air. Maybe <laughs> Um, I still may do something, some stuff with Rush next week. I just don't know because their schedule is kind of up in the air. So that didn't work out timing-wise. And then I thought about Triumph because I'm always asked about Triumph. I'm in touch with Rick Emmett. I'm in touch with Mike Levine from time to time. And I know how many fans always ask me about them. 
And they're really not a band anymore, but I thought it would be fun to kind of go down memory lane and talk to the guys and have them on the show if they would be up for it. Because they had some issues at one point, but those issues, they tell me, have been resolved. And they're all kind of cool again. And I don't know of the last time the three original members of Triumph did a radio interview together. Now, it may have happened. I didn't know about it. Maybe it could have happened in Canada, but pretty sure it's been a while. So I... uh I I started with Mike Levine and I sent him a note and he called me very quickly and I told him, I said, Hey, you know, I'm going to be in town. I'm going to be in Toronto and it'd be wonderful if you guys did this. The fans would love to hear from you. And Mike said, let me, I like the idea. Let me talk to Gilmore. Let me talk to Rick and I'll get back to you next day. He sent me a note and he said, we're in all the guys said, we'd love to do it. So this is a really cool, really exciting exclusive and we will have that for you. Again, this is going to happen live on my Sirius XM show on Channel 106 Volume. And it will air live a, uh, this coming Wednesday, actually, from Toronto. And more than likely, at some point in a week or two, I will take the audio, probably the Ezrin show and the Triumph show, and be able to bring it to you here on the podcast. But if you have Sirius XM and you're a listener to that show, Try to listen to those shows live because I'll include your phone calls and it'll be really special. And um, then it'll replay that night on Sirius XM at 9 p.m. Eastern, as all my shows do. And then it'll go on the Sirius XM app on demand. And then after a week or so, I can bring you those interviews here on, on the Eddie Trunk podcast. That's how it works. But uh, again, um, if you have Sirius XM, you should listen and if you don't have it and you like what I do and you like the interviews and the stuff that I do for what is a price of a couple cups of coffee <laughs> at Starbucks you could get a month's worth of Sirius XM you've even just on demand or on the uh, on the app I don't give you guys the hard sell on anything I'm just telling you that in the past I would have never told you to do that because I was only doing three hours a week there now I'm doing six shows a week there and there's a ton of content happening on a daily basis. The one last thing on the Triumph special uh, live show next week that I want to be clear about, though, is there's a lot of people already saying, well, uh, did they call you to make an announcement? Does this mean they're going to be reuniting? Is there more to the story? Is there more? No, nothing like that. Now, should that change and the band decide they want to do something, that's obviously totally their call. But them coming on with me is not about them wanting to make any announcement or reaching out to me about it. It's 100% my idea and reaching out to them to just reconnect with the fans. And they said, yeah, we'll do it. It'll be fun. So I don't want to lead anybody on to thinking this is something more than it actually is. Just want to be transparent about that. You, we would all love for that to happen. And I'm sure that question will come up during the interview, but that is not what this is about. So get ready for Triumph coming live, reuniting on my radio show. This coming Wednesday, you'll hear it live on Trunk Nation from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern from Toronto on Sirius XM Channel 106 volume with the replays and the on-demand stuff that I just mentioned. This Tuesday, Bob Ezrin from Toronto. And I may or may not have 
the uh, Rush guys on at some point towards the end of next week on that show. It all depends upon their schedule and whatever they need to to run through with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducting Yes, who are a band that are their heroes. So I wanted to get all that out there because that's exciting and breaking news, and I'm looking forward to spending a, a couple nights in Toronto. I really have no knowledge of the area or the city or what I'm in store for. It'd be a very short trip, but should be fun. And I've got so many listeners in Canada. It'll also be great to try to, you know, I don't, I doubt it's not a public thing. It's not like I'm hosting something or doing a signing, but hopefully, I don't know. So I'll tweet out somewhere I'm going to be and can say hello to some people and have a couple drinks and whatever. So we'll see what happens. Should be fun. Follow on social media as usual at Eddie Trunk on Twitter. That's where you get the up to the second information. Instagram, Facebook is also at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website. The weather's getting warmer. You might want one of those new Trunk Nation shirts. Have a look at all my new designs in the merch store on eddytrunk.com. And also, while you're there, sign copies of either of my books directly from me. Trunk Report is my blog. All my appearances are on the homepage of the site. A week from today, if you're listening on post day next Thursday, I'll be hosting Saigon Kick. That's at Webster Hall in New York City. Also have, of course, M3 coming up, Rocklahoma coming up, a bunch of festivals, a bunch of events. We'll talk about a lot of stuff as it gets a little bit closer. Uh, May is Tulsa time for me, spending a lot of time in Tulsa, hosting uh, Don da- uh, not a Don Dockin show, a Dockin show at IDL Ballroom. Also hosting a Tom Kiefer show at IDL Ballroom. And Rocklahoma, also in May, I'll be spending a week in Los Angeles. A lot of travel time coming up in May. Just take a look, like I said, of everything on the homepage on eddytrunk.com. All my appearances are listed right there. All right, let's get into what we're going to do for today's show. And that's another double dip of some great interview action for you. First up, Vivian Campbell course the original guitarist from the Dio band currently playing in Def Leppard he was in Whitesnake and a host of other bands Vivian called into my radio show about a week and a half ago as last in line was getting ready to do a run of dates which I believe they've just about wrapped up I think it's really cool that Vivian is so committed to doing this band we talk a lot about these side projects and honestly A lot of them are dead before they even start and sometimes never even see a live show. I think it's very admirable for a guy like Vivian who is battling cancer and is in a major band like Def Leppard that when he has time off, he's going to play small clubs with this band last in line. It's really cool to see him dedicated to it like that. So this interview made some news on a number of fronts, which you may have seen pop up on the various rock news websites. Uh, Vivian talks about an upcoming working on another record and working on a record with some of his another side band that he had at one point and some Def Leppard stuff as well. So Vivian Campbell for a few minutes first. And then the second interview was with Bill Kelleher and Troy Sanders of Mastodon, who came into my studio and joined me for a great conversation about their new album, Emperor of Sand, which comes out tomorrow. And again, when I talk about dates, I am talking to you guys as if you are listening on 
the Thursday that we post, just for context purposes. So I have never interviewed anyone from Mastodon until this interview. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how they escaped being on. I know there were a few times we talked to them about doing things on that metal show and didn't happen for one reason or another. And we finally, and I finally, was able to get them at least on my radio show. I had a great time talking to the guys. And I do enjoy their their new album. And like I said, that is available tomorrow. And I like where Mastodon has gone with their music. I mean, they've gotten more melodic. They're singing more. And uh, I like that direction, of course. Uh, Their last album and this album is really... I I didn't get some of their more proggy stuff because that's not really totally my scene. But I do really like where this band is headed and like a lot of stuff on this new record. And... You know, my favorite thing is they're just big music fans, as you're about to hear. And I love just talking music overall. And we get into that. So that was an in-studio interview that went for a good 40 minutes or so. And you'll hear that interview coming up second on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. What was really funny is both the Vivian Campbell interview and the Mastodon interview you're about to hear, they um, they both happened on the same day in the same show. And just talking about how so many of these guys are just really big music fans. Vivian, I was promoing that Vivian Campbell was going to be coming on the show while Mastodon were sitting in front of me, while Bill and Troy were there. And they lit up like, oh, my God, we got to meet Vivian Campbell. (laughs) Can we stick around and meet Vivian Campbell? I said, guys, normally I'd say no problem, but he's calling. He's not coming in. Oh, man. So it's just always fun to see the. Yeah, the, the, some guys in major bands become geeks and, and fanboys as well, as we all are in some way, shape, or form about something. All right, so uh, let's get right to it, huh? Let's take a, a little break here, and then we'll come right into it, and we'll uh, we'll we'll do, first have we'll reverse the order that I did it on the radio show. Vivian Campbell first, followed by Bill and Troy from Mastodon. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Well, unfortunately, a lot of times this isn't the case. I mean, that's what you want, right? When you buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing. You want to make sure there's actual inventory, that it's there. And a lot of times it's just not the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they're not available. With True Car, here's the deal. You get real pricing on actual inventory. How about that? This is not pricing offered by True Car, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a True Car certified dealer. This is carefully curated network of dealers that are committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. And there are over 13,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. 
You'll work directly with a True Car certified dealer contact. True Car users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with True Car certified dealers. And True Car users save an average of over three grand off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Here's an interesting fact for you. There are nearly 1 million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. And it's coming to Podcast One in just a few weeks. So keep your eyes and ears open for Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Okay, first up in our double dip this week, as I mentioned, you know him as the original guitarist of Dio, currently plays in Def Leppard. He is uh, has a great side band called Last in Line with the original surviving Dio band, and they have uh, put out a great record called Heavy Crown, and as you're about to find out, they're working on another one already. So without further ado, uh, this again is courtesy from my daily show on Sirius XM, channel 106, volume Hear that live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Replay every night 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time again on Channel 106. From that radio interview show, here is Vivian Campbell on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Viv, the guys in Mastodon are big fans. They send their best. Oh, that's great. Thank you, thank you. Very flattered. Yeah, they were just here a little while ago, and they said, Vivian's coming on, and they said, oh, we got to hang out to meet Vivian Campbell. I go, no, he's calling. They go, oh... So, I know. Yeah, sorry I couldn't get in. We're done. We just arrived at the gig. Now we're setting up. Yeah, no worries, man. I know how crazy it can be with travel and everything. So first and foremost, before we talk about music and your your shows and what you have coming up, how are you doing health-wise, man? Is everything cool? Uh, least of my concerns, as always, yeah. It's all good. You know, it's just ongoing. I'm still doing this uh, wonder drug that cured Jimmy Carter's cancer, so it's it's working well for me. It's holding holding things in place. I'm coming to the end of the two years of the clinical trial. That'll be up in June. And, and um, so sometime over the next couple of months, my doctors will decide whether or not I can stay on this drug beyond the trial. Um, I hope that that's the case because it's really working for me. The hardest part about it for me is, is scheduling and the extra travel because i got to fly back to L.A. every month to do it. But, um, yeah, it's all good, you know, first world problem. Well, listen, man, I, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear it's working for you and uh, nothing more important than your health. So, uh, you know, keep us posted and fingers crossed this will do the trick. I hope that uh, Thank you. I hope that uh, it gets you where you need to be and, and gets all of this behind you. Um, you know, Viv, I, I'm exactly where I need to be, Eddie. It's all good. Good, good, <laughs> good. Every day as it comes, you know what I mean? There's no guarantees. Good, good, good. good. Um, you know, I was saying to somebody the other day, so many times we see – uh, artists who are in major bands, yourself, of course, being in Def Leppard, getting ready for a big tour, and they do bands on the side of their main band, and they don't really mm-hmm. commit to it. They don't do much with it. Sometimes they don't even do a live show. 
I think it's remarkable and very admirable that a guy like you who is battling cancer and, and these health issues that, that could easily be on a bus and just coasting along with Def Leppard playing the amphitheaters and the arenas, that in your downtime, in the, in the little bit of time that you have off, last in line means so much to you that you're out there and you're setting up in a club right now in Queens getting ready to play with the guys. So, I, I mean, I give you a lot of credit for that, Viv, because most people would not put that effort in. Well, yeah, thanks. I mean, it's it's a great reward for me. I mean, obviously, there's no money in it, but uh, it's that's not the reason I'm doing. It. I'm very fortunate, you know, that uh, that, that Def Leppard's continue to have success for the years, and, and I'm I'm able to do that. This is a very much a passion project for me. Um, very dedicated to it. It's really it's really cathartic for me to to do this. You know, I. I Thoroughly enjoyed playing with Vinny again. Really enjoyed my time with Jimmy before he passed away last year. It was really great to reconnect with those guys and then just to to play this kind of music. You know, it's um, it, it all kind of started. I told you before a few years ago. It all started back in 2010, 2011 when I, I did a little brief tour as a stunt guitarist for Thin Lizzy. You know, and it kind of just brought me back to why it was I started in the first place. You know, it brought me back to my teenage years when I was really honing my craft and, and just I really kind of rediscovered my passion for beating the shit out of a Les Paul, you know? <laughs> so, and this is this is the perfect vehicle for that, you know? Um, it exercises a different muscle than the Leopard thing. The Leopard show is very slick. It's a, very much a big production, great, great songs. You know, the vocals in Leopard are a real challenge for us, and we all work very, very hard at that, and we're, we're proud of the fact that we can replicate that live, you know. Um, that's the big, big challenge for me in Leopard. It, with this band, I don't even sing. You know, I just, it, it exercises a different muscle. It's just stand there with my head down and just torture the shit out of that guitar, you know. Yeah, well, I've said that so, many times. If there's any band, we see a lot of bands touring right now, whether fans know it or not, that are putting a lot of things that they're doing on on fake backing tracks. If there's any band that you could almost excuse for doing that, it would be Def Leppard because of the way those vocals were done in the studio. But I know for a fact that you and Phil, uh, you guys put, uh, you know, and Rick, you, you put so much into that. It's, it's remarkable the work that goes into making those vocals sound the way they do live. I know that's something you should, and you should all be very proud of that, absolutely. Well, yeah, we are. I mean, we work very, very hard at that to get it right. You know, we got a great balance between Sav and Phil and myself on the PVs, you know, and there's there's a real system that works for us, and, and, and we do actually work really hard. I mean, you've been to our shows. You know yeah. I mean? Well, stand back there warming up, you know. Well, I saw the, the one. You know, I don't know if you heard this, Vivian, but uh, and it, it took me back to, of course, uh, the Def Leppard cruise where uh, Jimmy Bain passed away, and since then, we've you'd had, we've had, you've had Phil Susan playing, but I don't know if you heard this, but just uh, yesterday, yeah. the drummer in Boston, Sib, died on a, a rock cruise. Uh, he passed. Away. I, I actually just just Vinny Apathy just told me that about an hour ago. Yeah, that was just that's dreadful news and and a very bizarre coincidence too. You know. Yeah, while he was playing, actually, so it took me back yeah. to uh, that very difficult time when Jimmy passed away when you were going to debut Last in Line on the on the Def Leppard cruise. But I wanted to yeah. ask you. Um, for people that don't, maybe just tuning in and they haven't followed that closely, so people understand, Vivian, of course, everybody first discovered him through his work on the first three Dio records, and The Last in Line was a band that he formed and put out a great record last year called Heavy Crown with Jimmy Bain, with Vinnie Apice and Andrew Freeman, who's a great singer, to not only do original music, but to re-embrace the, the Dio songs that you were a big part of on those first three records. So... 
when you first started doing this, Vivian, and going back to the Dio stuff, do you feel like now that you've been doing it for like a year or so, do you feel like it's gotten a little bit more comfortable? Did you feel like you had to knock off some rust in the beginning? It's certainly a challenge, and it still is, you know. Um, it's not easy at all. Uh, but like I said before, it's really cathartic, you know. It's really a joyous experience to to play with these guys and to play this music and to play like this again, play guitar like this. Um, yeah, I had to go back when we first started doing it. Um, I really had to go back and learn the original solos. And, you know, back in the D.O. days when we were touring on Holy Diver, Last and Land and, and Sacred Heart, I didn't always play the solos exactly like they were on the record, you know. Um, but to do this project uh, over the recent years, you know, we're, we're playing songs, other than the new material, we're playing songs that are, that have been on record for over 30 years in some cases. So the solos kind of became part of the songs, and I really kind of made the effort to play them pretty much as close as I possibly could. So I had to go on YouTube, and, you know, there, there's some some guys out there on YouTube that I've never met. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> I'd like to give a shout-out to them because, you know, I had to actually go back, and, and I couldn't remember, like, how I played. Like, wow. I this here or further up the next. And I, I spent a week or two on YouTube, and, and you know, I'd clicked at something, and, some guy would be playing, and I'd go, nah, that's absolutely not what I did. And I'd find this other guy, and I'd go, yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> how I played. So, you know, because it was very uh, idiosyncratic, you know. I mean, I was very hit or miss in the studio. I didn't plan the, the solos. They just kind of they either happened easily or more often than not. <laughs> it's been like pulling teeth. But at the end of the day, we got something together, you know. And then, like I said, I didn't play them all exactly the same way uh when we were out playing live shows but in this case i kind of really had to so you know it's it was hard work and it's still difficult to to execute them properly you know but i i take uh take a lot of joy in, in trying to do that each and every night you know and trying to perfect them just marginally as i go of the songs from your past that you play from the early Dio records in the live set with Last in Line, are there one one or two that for you are the most challenging or that you most like digging into again? Um, I got to say, Don't Talk to Strangers, that solo is, has always been challenging, you know, uh, as indeed was Rainbow in the Dark. I mean, they all are in, in a, to, to some degree, you know, some a little bit more so than others. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's great. I mean, I just it's it's so fun to go back and and you know back then I I never really appreciated myself as a guitar player back then. You know, I was very very insecure and I kind of I was very my my sound and style was was shaped by my uh, inabilities more than my abilities. You know, I, I wasn't a technical player and and I was self taught. So you know, when all these uh, monster shredders came along, Ingve Malmsteen, I always say Ingve and Paul Gilbert. George Lynch, you know, really, really great technical players. And I was always very frustrated that I couldn't play like them. Um, So I really kind of was down on myself and my own style of playing. And it's taken me many, many years to actually get over that. And now I listen back to it and I can kind of realize what it was that Ronnie liked about the way I played guitar. You know, it was kind of random. (laughs) So, uh, And it is random for me to go back and, and kind of learn this again, because like I say, it's not really a linear kind of thing. I didn't throw guitar solos together. I think the way a lot of guitar players did it back in those days. And so that kind of made it a bit more difficult for me to revisit it. But uh, I kind of, you know, got a little bit of appreciation for what I did back then, much more so than I did back in the day. 
Yeah, so that's because, a bonus, you know. Yeah, because I remember. I remember. I mean, I've known you for a very long time, and I remember there were times I talked to you many years ago, and you, you were kind of just like you know, you would kind of. I would tell you how important and how many people loved the the solos and the work that you did on those Dio records, and how influential it was, and how many people revere it. I mean, just like. The guys in Mastodon, one of the biggest new bands out right now. When I, I told, I mentioned you were coming up, they just lit up. I mean, the, the impact that it had, but it seemed like at least back in 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 the earlier days, it that never really resonated with you. You're like, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, now it seems like you you kind of get the connection it made. Well, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees, as they say. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. I was, I was like I say, I was very frustrated by my lack of technical abilities and now i kind of see that that helped kind of shape my style of playing and and it, i think you know that's one thing i tell a lot of young guitar players when they ask me for advice i always say that it's better to kind of develop your own style than to try and always be spinning your wheels trying to copy someone else's you know i mean that's what people connect with it, it it's through your own individual expression and voice that, that that forms that human connection and that's what music of all genres is about you know Talking with Vivian Campbell of, of course, Steph Leopard, and also Last in Line. Vivian is getting ready to do a little run of dates here in the U.S. with Last in Line, which I highly suggest going to see the band. They're so great. Uh, they're playing tonight in Queens at Blackthorn 51. Tomorrow night they will be in New Jersey in Teaneck at Mexicali Live, which I'm going to try to make it out to, to that one. Um, how many more dates? How, how many dates is this run, Viv? Uh, the last show is April 1st, so it's a brief run a show maybe eight or nine or something okay so people should just yeah. wherever they're listening should go to uh is the website is it lastinline.com what is it exactly <laughs> you're asking the wrong day what's our website <laughs> last in line rock oh last in line official.com last in yeah, line official yeah okay. and um, we got a facebook page too so yeah it's out there somewhere they're all east coast you know it's new york new jersey massachusetts new hampshire uh uh pennsylvania so yeah Right. Kind of area. So go to com and see if you can uh, find a date near you and get a chance to go see Vivian along with Phil and uh, Vinny and Andrew doing their thing, playing some Dio classics and playing some music from the Heavy Crown album. Have you thought about another record at all, Vivian? Oh, we've we more than thought about it. We've got it half written already. Oh, really? Yeah, we, we started writing it in January, um, and we have six songs on the go, and it sounds amazing. It's so, so good. Um, so we're excited for that. We were hoping to get it out this year, but um, unfortunately, due to my schedule with Leopard and Jeff Pilson's schedule with Foreigner, because Jeff produced the Heavy Crown album for right. us, and we want to work with him again on the next one. So we have to wait. It looks like September before we'll actually be able to start recording it. Um, so it, it will probably be an early 2018 release. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, like I said, that speaks to the commitment that you have for this band and playing with these guys because you well, you know as well as I do, there's a bunch of guys that have two or three bands on the side and outside of throwing out a record or maybe doing an interview for it, there's really not a, a real commitment made to it. So I love the fact that you're hanging with this and, and want to grow this and, and do more re- more uh, yeah. music. You know, I, I just I just feel so fortunate, like I said, to to not only be in one, but, but two. In fact, in this case, I'm in three great bands because I'm doing a new Riverdogs record, too. I was going to ask you about that. I heard about that because for people that yeah. don't know, Vivian's had a bunch of bands over the years, but you're doing Riverdogs again, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, Frontiers again. After the, uh, the Heavy Crying album from last year, they they called me and said, would you fancy doing another Riverdogs record? And as long as it was 
like the initial, the uh, the debut River Dogs album from whenever it was 1990 or 91 when that came out. Um, it was very guitar heavy. So I, I talked to Mark and Rob and Nick, the guys in the River Dogs, and they were all up for it. So we got together, we wrote songs, and the record's done, actually. It's coming out July 7th, I believe, on Frontiers. Wow. It sounds absolutely amazing. And there's a shitload of guitar in it. I mean, a load of guitar. It was such fun to do. Um, you know, I just, I really, all I ever wanted to do with my life was to play guitar. And I've been so, so fortunate to get to play with all these great musicians and bands and that I still get to do it. So, you know, maybe it was having the cancer diagnosis a few years ago that kind of let a bit of a fire under my ass again that really makes me realize how good I have it and how much fun it is to get to get down and dirty with a Les Paul. So um, I'm just doing as much as I can, you know. How long before we see a Shadow King record, Vivian? <laughs> I don't know about that. you got to ask Lou, ask Lou Graham about that. Um, I think that's enough. I mean, I'm not planning to do any live shows with River Dogs. It's just it's too much work. I mean, being in Leopard and, and right. recording and touring with Leopard and recording and touring with Last in Line, that's as much as I can handle. I mean, it took a lot of my... Uh, a lot of my free time, and I don't have a lot of free time, but I, what I had, I devoted recently to doing this River Dogs record as well, and, and that's it. I can't commit to doing any live shows with that. There's only so many hours in the day, Eddie, you know? I hear you. Well, I'll let you go, I'll let you go and get ready for your gig tonight, but uh, before I do, the update on Leopard. I know you're getting ready to do dates here in America with Poison and Tesla. I know the uh, yeah. the DVD came out recently, and, the, uh, and there will be a next time live from Detroit, which is great. Had a chance to watch it. Um, any other Leopard updates you want to give us? Is this, is this tour that you're going to go out with Poison, is this pretty much just a continuation of the tour in support of the last studio record? Yes, it is. Yeah, it'll it'll be pretty much the same kind of thing. Um, just some kind of loose ends to tidy up. So we we kind of do look at that as an extension of last summer's tour for the most part. Um, that we may have some shows elsewhere, not in this country, <laughs> but uh, further around the globe later in the year. But I don't know if I'm at liberty to talk about that right now. I don't know if it's been announced, but. Uh, then we'll be back uh, 2018. will be hopefully a big touring year for Def Leppard. Well, it seems like every year is a big touring year for Def Leppard. You guys have been out consistently here in the U.S. playing pretty much constantly, and uh, it's great to see the crowds growing and the appreciation for the band growing and the band sounding so good still, you know, so it's it's great to see. And uh, I wish you safe Thank travels you. and uh, hope to see you. I'm going to try to get out and see you tomorrow night in Jersey and say hi to the guys and have a good first That'd game tonight in Queens. Lovely. Thanks. Thanks, Eddie. All right, Viv. Take care, okay? Safe travels. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There he goes. Vivian Campbell, everybody. My thanks to Vivian Campbell for taking some time out. And check out Heavy Crown if you didn't get it. It really is a solid record, and that is out there now. Vivian now getting ready to shift gears and go back to working with Def Leppard on yet another big tour as they go out with Poison and Tesla. And we certainly wish Vivian well health-wise. It's a bit disconcerting that he is still battling this cancer. And as you heard, going through some experimental treatment still, certainly hope he is well and gets well soon. All right, we're going to come back and be joined by Bill and Troy from Mastodon. They're up next on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, so the last thing you want to worry about when you go on any sort of vacation or travel 
is, you know, if you get injured, what's going to happen? If there's some issue, I mean, if you're an adventure traveler, you need to worry about that sort of stuff, right? Maybe going to a dangerous location, possible uh, natural disaster area, Zika virus. These are all things you got to worry about if you are a traveler. And it's the last thing you really want to be worried about if you're going on some vacation travel. Did you know that basic safety nets like your platinum credit card or travel insurance, they typically don't cover you in any of those situations. MedJet Assist offers the world's most comprehensive memberships available for your health, your safety, and your security when you travel. A MedJet Assist membership picks up where basic safety nets drop off. And that helps you avoid costly fees, which can be up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, of course, frustrating fine print restrictions on your medical care or crisis response. MedJet will protect you 150 miles or more from your home, including domestic or international travel. A MedJet Horizon membership also includes travel security and crisis response services for things like political threats, disappearance, hijacking, wrongful detention, personal security detail, and more. The safer you feel, the more you can focus on the moment, especially when you travel. MedJet Assist empowers members to feel safer and more prepared for travel's many possibilities. Pack peace of mind on your next trip. Right now, MedJet is offering our listeners a special deal. Receive up to $50 off an annual membership when you go to medjet.com slash impact and enter code TRUNK, T-R-U-N-K. Annual memberships start at $270, and you can save up to $50. That's M-E-D-J-E-T dot com forward slash impact, I-M-P-A-C-T, and code TRUNK. Be sure to enter promo code TRUNK, T-R-U-N-K. Medjet.com forward slash impact and code trunk. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, it's Eddie Trunk back with you. And as I mentioned, Mastodon, their new album comes out tomorrow. If you're listening to this on post day, March 31st, it's called Emperor of Sand. I had Troy and Bill in the studio on my radio show to discuss the new record and many more things. So this is a bit longer interview because they spent some time sitting right in the studio with me in New York City from my radio show about a week ago. Actually, very fresh interview here for you with Bill and Troy of Mastodon on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Good to see you, Troy Sanders. Thank you, Eddie. It's nice to be here. I feel like we've made it. We truly made it as a band. We still we have, have arrived. Finally. You've got yeah. a low bar if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've lost a few Grammys here and there, but this is where I've always wanted to be. Oh, yeah. This is man. our Grammy. You know how to butter up the host, man. <laughs> Bill Kelleher, good to see you, Bill. Yes, thanks for having me. How many times were you nominated for Grammys? Three times. Three, and you lost all three times? Yes, we did. We just like to twist the fun on that. You know, we're three-time Grammy losers. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's, Mustaine it's, has got nothing. On, I mean, well, Mustaine finally won 14, one. yeah, on the 14th 14 time. Does it, it mean any, does it mean, would it mean, listen, I'm just, I'm honest to a fault. I, I think the Grammys, when it comes to rock and metal, have shown for over 25 years that they're clueless. And I don't mean any disrespect to the people who win them, but it seems incredibly random and and makes no sense. So does it mean, would it mean well, a lot to you if you won one? Well, the, I mean, honestly, the way I kind of look at it is is like a beauty pageant. You know, it's like you don't win, but at least you were, uh, you know, you were invited to be part <laughs> right. of it. You know what I mean? And for a band like us, um, you know, we came from, you know, we're four dirtbags from the South that just uh, got into a, a van and started touring and, 
you know, archetype of music for us to get our foot in the door to even be considered in the in the Grammys, to me speaks volumes about you know we're actually changing you know the face of uh, you know what what music is because this style of music that we play counts for something and it should be noticed i agree 100 percent. my point about the grammys is i don't think they've ever listened to a note of mastodon i think they think oh there's cool covers and logos on some of these records and let's put them on the ballot well that's my point when you see them give grammys to judas priest for a 30 year old song or lemmy for a cover of a metallica song to me that reads they're not paying attention well, they're just looking at some cool logos that's why um i was invited and i was nominated to be part of the actual uh nomination committee thank god yeah because they finally you know there's uh you know heavy metal there's only best metal performance and there's hard rock and there's hard rock performance and there's best hard rock album or song so you know uh when we have been passed up for say tenacious d right. a couple of years ago it's or, my, my or, point again yeah or the foo fighters which are both great bands you know but you know the average grammy uh you know voting age i think is 55 to 60 years old and you know a lot of people don't vote and that's why your, your vote does count people that are you know voting members you should go out and vote a lot of people say oh, i'm just throwing my vote away you're really not because you know when a band like mastodon gets gets put into the same you know group hard rock covers everyone you know it's pop rock and you put the foo fighters up against mastodon people are going to say oh, I, don't, I don't know who mastodon is but i know i've seen that name foo fighters around so they pick that so that's why this committee was uh introduced the past two years now so we can kind of take the selection committee the people that uh you know put all these names in and a lot of times they don't fit it's like this is so not a somebody band. fucked up because they let uh beyonce slip through this year into the rock category yep. so it still needs some work bill uh, crack the whip well, over there man yeah well she did do, do this the thing with uh jack white yeah but that was a rock a song yeah, you know but, uh, we tried to say you try to look at it like well if it weren't beyonce if it were anyone else would you consider this a rock song hmm. it's like well yeah this song is but the whole album it's different because so you Beyonce. can get yourself on there now, right? You well, can, I, no. When, <laughs> how does that work? I wish, but no, we we can't. You can Troy, vote, kick him a couple bucks. You Troy, can vote maybe. for yourself, yes, <laughs> but I can't sit on the on the committee when if we get nominated for next year, right? Right. So hopefully, we will. All right. Well, yeah. Hopefully, for your sake. And again, I don't. Anybody that wins it, I get it. It's a cool thing. Everybody knows what it is. It would be cool to be there and all that. And maybe you can work build to, towards getting them to actually televise. The things, yeah. you know, and maybe tell them not to play a Metallica song when oh, Mustaine finally wins. That was terrible. <laughs> or to actually introduce Metallica and not Lady Gaga with some other band. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a clusterfuck. I mean, I got to be honest about it. So, Well, we're trying to start from, you know, one point and say, okay, look, you guys got to get your... Sh- you're, you're know what together because yeah. it looks bad. Yeah, and I, I railed for years about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I still do. And uh, a few years ago, they called me. I mean, they they tried to quiet me so much that they sent the president of it to my radio show once. And I I said, listen, until it's fixed, I mean, I'm not going to give up on it. And then a few years ago, they came to me and they made me a voter. So, I I mean, my initial reaction was like, everybody's like, well, why would you become a voter? I'm like, wait, I'm going to scream about something, but then I actually have the opportunity to make it better. Yeah. That would be counterproductive to not make it better. So. Um, so anyway, let's talk about the new record because it's coming out a week from Friday, and it is called Emperor of Sand, and it is the 
eighth Mastodon record? Eighth Full record. Length, yes. Man, you guys still feel like a new band to me, and now there's eight Man, records. I do, too. I still feel like a little baby. I, um, <laughs> yeah. Bill, well, you act like a baby. Yeah, I do. I wet, wet my pants. But, it's pretty uh, cool, man. We, we've uh, been together 17 years. This is our eighth record, and the four of us still love each other, and we feel like we're still ascending this musical mountain. We, so it's pretty Yeah, we still feel like a there's a lot. Spot. We have a lot of riffage in us and in, in longevity, you know what I mean? Because it hasn't happened overnight. It's been a long arduous battle to get to where we, we are today and know? the same four guys pretty you know since the first record i mean there yeah. was a singer mm-hmm. before early on but i mean you guys have stayed together which is kind of unheard of no it's nuts i mean 17 years is 17 years to, to for four personalities to exist and not have had any you know any fallout I, is, think, I mean i think it's a combination of a lot of things I mean uh you know our friendship and our our eyes on the prize and the goal and and this is our our life and it you know feeds our families keeps the lights on at home and our management you know we've had the best and a record label those guys well. suck your manager <laughs> <laughs> nick are you listening buddy i mean nick, I love nick, nick john and rick sales have been uh they you know they 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 work for us. It's not the other way around. Like I hear with a lot of bands where yeah. they hate the management. Oh, my manager's making us take every single tour. It's like we say, hey, we need this month off, or hey, we because bands that tour too much and and it's all about you know making money and touring. You know, it's got to be about your sanity. We can't do it. And I was of course of joking. Nick and Rick are both good friends, and I love them both. But um, you bring up a great point, Bill. That I see is the one of the biggest things that bands do wrong. And that is over tour. Yeah, uh, burnout. You That's... need to create some demand. And now I, I get why it's happening because people aren't seeing the return on money from record sales. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same token, sometimes less is more. And I've seen a lot of bands that I really love that have destroyed their draw because they're out constantly, and it's not special to go see them anymore. Exactly, so you guys are yeah. definitely cognizant of that. Yeah, you have to find that healthy balance of uh, home time and, and touring time and really make it work on both ends to keep our sanity and our families and our, our mental health as uh, as healthy as possible, as well as getting out there and doing as much as we can to keep the band at a great spot. And I think we've been able to find that the past yeah, handful when we, of years. When we first started, believe me, for the first six, seven years, we took every single show, any whatever it paid. We never asked what it paid. We just did it. We right. got in the van and we just kept kept touring and touring we were excited to do that you know but you get older uh you know you have a family you have kids it's like you you're we are human beings just this is a job just like anyone else and you don't want to live on the road in a tour bus bouncing around the highways of the united states and other you know foreign countries or whatever for for that long it's just you it kills your home life and it kills you on the road so you need to break it up. And the thing is, if you look down the list, and one of the things that's amazing about your career and, and Mastodon in general is that you've been able to tour with an incredible variety of different sorts of rock artists. And you you really do fit in a lot of different sort of holes. I mean, somebody from the outside might just look and say, oh, Mastodon's a metal band. But if unless they unless they they really haven't been listening because right. of course there's elements of metal in the music but there's elements of so many other things and when you look down the roster of, of over the years of the bands that you've toured with it's a pretty eclectic mix that's always kind of changing and evolving much like the records that you've made so talk about some of the different people and and the different sort of niches you found yourself in out there on the road touring with people uh, I mean I wouldn't have it any other way I mean that's what I love about our band is that you know, all of us come from a little bit different backgrounds, but, you know, uh, country music, heavy metal, hard rock, classic rock. Um, what would you consider yourself, Bill? What's your what's your thing? I like classic rock. 
and I like old metal. You know, um, what was your first show? I like, I like aggressive. I like playing aggressive notes on my guitar that get I get a reaction from people. So that's that's where I kind of come from. I grew up in upstate New York with Braun, and you know that's the kind of stuff we've always played. But I appreciate all sorts of music. My first concert was Ted Nugent and Aerosmith in uh, 1985. 85. Yeah. Oh, okay. So wait, I was thinking, you know, I'm 46 today. Oh, happy birthday, so, man. <laughs> thank you. I, I was thinking you were going to say, like, you know, Texas Jam in 78 or something like that, but no. you would have been way too young. I mean, I think I saw Charlie Daniels Band f- when I was a kid at uh, New York State Fair. Okay. But that, you know, I don't really count that as my first concert. My first real concert when I went to, like, with my friends and uh, parents dropped you off. It's was, a pretty uh, good show, Ted Nugent Aerosmith, and Aerosmith. Aerosmith, uh, Done With Mirrors Tour. Yeah. And when I they- think the very next day, because our tour manager that we had last year, he's an old, older, old-timer, he was working that show, my first concert. Okay. So he told me that the next day, I think they uh, it was done with mirrors, so they're trying to get off cocaine. Right. And they were told if they do any cocaine, the tour was going to be over. And it, I think the next day when they played Boston, it was the over. The tour was over. So that was the last. <laughs> they got home and did a bunch of blow yeah. and it imploded. Uh, that was their reunion uh, record with Joe Perry and Brad Whitford, who had just come back to the band, actually. Right. So, uh, Troy, what about you? What's your, what's your like musical DNA? Where did it start for you? Uh, my mother plays classical music in a wind quartet. Always oh, okay. has. And so I got turned on to classical music through my mom. And I got turned on uh, to punk rock by my younger brother, Bubbers, who works for Mastodon. And my older brother, Kyle, turned me on to heavy metal. He's the bass player for Hell Yeah. So I come from a musical family, and I got classical music, punk rock, and metal all at the same time. And uh, I credit my family to helping me become where I am today. And my dad was cool enough to pay me to mow the grass, help me buy my first PV bass. So very, very, uh, you know, uh, musical family has turned it. Uh, so what was me. the first show for you? Because you could have been, sounds like it could have been a pretty yeah. random sort of um, thing. As a giant, uh, you know, the, the, the early days of MTV were so great, and uh, I just was addicted to watching MTV. Um, 1982, I my first album I purchased with my own money was Business as Usual by Minute Work. Oh. And later that summer, uh, got dropped off by my dad to the arena, and I uh, got to see Minute Work. Really? That was my first concert. Man, that's a revelation. Like, you know, here's the, the, the big bad Mastodon, yeah. and it was all it was all uh, shaped by the men from down under. Yeah. He still loves them. Yeah? I still do, and I've uh, actually been uh, in, in contact with Colin Hay. Yeah? And um, met with him uh, last week, and uh, talking about a uh, collaboration in the future. Whoa! So, it's 7-inch. You know, that's what that's the Mastodon thing about, at work. If you say it, yeah. if you say it, it has to happen. It, right? This now it's coming true. Sorry, Colin. Whoa, that's serious, man. Yeah, that's, that's like the, we like you a, know, it's that's a beautiful thing about being a you know in a band or being an artist that we can create yeah. the music that we love. And as Bill was and, mentioning about our management and our record label, Warner Brothers has always just let us go and record and write the music that we love, and then just turn the record in when we're done. So having that freedom is pretty amazing, and I recognize that. Also, to be able to write whatever album we want to come up with, we're talking about doing something that's in the future that's uh, you know classic country based because we Brent our, our guitar player and myself we come from the south we love classic country and you know whether it happens or not we're able to yeah and, and we can explore the things that the four of us love and and hopefully keep this band forever you know and, f- and for us to do something like with uh, you know Colin Hay it's like it's not a tongue in cheek ironic thing it's something we actually want to do because yeah. it's cool and yeah, we, yeah. we we enjoy their music you know. Uh, and for us to just be called a heavy metal band, we're, we're so much more than that. 
Put Vegemite sandwiches on the on the rider, baby. <laughs> we will next year. I uh, I I worked in a record store when when that album came out from Minute Work. We we used to sell so much of it that we didn't even take it out of the box. We just put the cassettes and vinyl and CDs on the counter. And it was just like fling fling fling. It was it was nuts. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue talking with Troy and Bill of Mastodon. Their new album Emperor of Sand is out a week from tomorrow. We'll get into a little conversation about the new record that you guys have coming down the pike, which I've heard and it sounds great. So we'll talk about that the eddie trunk podcast well just the other day i walked in and my wife and kids were out and uh i pulled up to my garage and what's sitting there but the blue apron box it's a big thrill when the blue apron box comes it really is because there's nothing but great fresh ingredients Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. It truly is great. You pick the stuff you want. I I opened the. I was happy no one was home because I got to to dive into the box. See, you get to pick what you want from the recipe list, but I didn't know what my wife had picked. Right, so I got to kind of explore and dig into the box myself, and I found out that my wife decided to go with an all vegetarian selection of a few things. So I got to see all these great foods come out, you know, all this fine lettuce and some really fresh bread and some a can of beans and all these great ingredients, great, fresh, healthy ingredients with the recipe cards to make everything. It's uh, it's absolutely great. Then my kids come home, they get into it. All the blue apron stuff is here. They start picking it up, picking it all up, checking it out, checking out the little packages, the seasonings. You get everything. It's all there. All you got to do is cook it and you're told how to cook it. Uh, blue apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries and ranchers across the U S. So you get all fresh locally sourced stuff. It really is a tremendous, tremendous product and uh, very healthy, a lot of fun for the family as well. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Eddie Trunk. Yep, my name. Just go ahead and do that and uh, you'll get a great deal. You'll learn how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Blueapron.com slash Eddie Trunk, E-D-D-I-E-T-R-U-N-K. Three meals free with free shipping. It's great stuff. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We should talk about uh, Emperor of Sand, which is the new album, again, out a week from tomorrow. And I had a chance to listen to it. And, you know, I I really like where you guys have gone musically in the last few records. Uh, I'm a, I like big riffs, straight up, you know, rock with good singing. And um, you guys have touched on all different music throughout. You know, there's progressive elements to your music. You I'm sure you hear it all the time from fans. Well, I like that period or I like that era better. Oh, yeah, yeah. But talk about where you're at now and what you're doing with this record. Return to working with Brendan O'Brien. I know that. And uh, and this record actually has a theme that's, uh, although I, I don't feel it so much in the music because there's still big riffs that get me charged up and get me feeling good, the underlying message in the concept of this record is actually about death, right? And 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 more specifically cancer fighting cancer and, and well, trying more, to survive more about cancer. time and uh you know how much of it you have on this planet i mean we as human beings 
you know, come to think of life as an inexhaustible well that, uh, you know, but in reality, like as we get older, people close to us getting sick, you know, my mother passed away last year and, uh, you know, that was right when I started writing and it really, you know, it affected me. It was, a uh, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. Everyone had their own personal, uh, you know, illness in their family and life going on. And we kind of drew from that, you know, it, it was definitely, um, a distraction for me to just go into my studio and just write and write and write and write. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, uh, you know, lyrical content was, you know, taken away from that as well. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of metaphors in our music and our fans have a real emotional tie to Mastodon. So, you know, I, I feel like it would have been doing the, the p- people that were ill in our lives a disjustice if we didn't, uh, you know, write about them and, and the suffering and, and what was happening. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Um, was it cathartic for you to do this? Was it was it a, a good kind of release so, in a way? Sort of. I mean, there's, there's nothing that can really make you feel better about, you know, some losing, you know, a parent. But it was uh, definitely a distraction for me to, to kind of put all my eggs in one basket and just say, I'm, I'm going to go for it. You know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm doing this. I'm, I'm taking the the helm (laughs) was your mom supportive of your music career she 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 was in the past probably 10 15 years you know after i think we got nominated for a grammy or she saw you know she's always like you need to go back to school and (laughs) you know i used to put on the shows in my basement my dad uh worked he had owned a a hi-fi business for 30 some years in upstate new york and hi-fi audio yeah oh cool and uh, so there's always all kinds of uh, tape machines and uh, record players and, you know, the, the state-of-the-art stuff. And, you know, I got into music right you know right away, and uh, I would have, you know, concerts in my basement. I built a little drum riser and a, and a stage, and my mom would always be screaming down at me, oh, stop that music, and it's too loud, and blah, blah, blah. But after, you know, after a while, she finally, I think, gave up and said, you know, I, I'm very proud of you. And she would come to all our shows when we played in this area, and she uh, – Always had the T-shirt on, and she clipped out all the, you know, like a mom does. And yeah, was, yeah. But it was good to see her when she finally, my mother-in-law, same thing. You know, she finally, after, I think, saw us in the Wall Street Journal or somewhere, yeah. was like, okay, you're you, seriously, <laughs> this is your, what you're doing for a living. You okay. never know what's going to make the connection to parents to finally figure it out, because, you know, uh, up to, to this day, you know, I think my parents still don't quite understand why I don't put a suit on and get up at 8 o'clock exactly. and come home at 6 yep. and be sitting down at dinner at 7. But they, they kind of figured out after a while. I mean, I, I'm a parent. I get it. Yeah, but, you know, I, want yeah. my, I don't want my kids to follow in my footsteps yeah. unless they've been you know, practicing since they were born with the guitar and, and instruments. But, you know, we're extremely lucky to be doing what we're doing. And she was happy for me. Troy, talk about your feelings about the record and how this, you know, this subject matter. Yeah. You probably had some personal connection to it as well, I yeah. assume. So last year... And this could have gone two ways, and this is—I'm so proud of my bandmates because this is how we how we react to, to to this. Last year, when when it came time to write music for what would become Emperor of Sand, uh, Bill's mother was going through brain cancer and eventually uh, passed from it. This is while Bill's writing the bulk of this music. Bill turned his mother's death into this rocket fuel for him to constantly play guitar, and he just wrote more riffs for this new record than he had, probably has our entire discography in the past. That's an incredible way to to uh, to, re- to react to something for, mm-hmm. in the positive. Sure. Bill and I could have easily hit the bar every damn day and just, you know, spiraled downward because we we could be good at that if we wanted to. Right. So Bill went in his basement studio and just started riffing out nonstop, which is fantastic, and I'm so proud that he did that. Um, meanwhile, I would go over to our drummer Braun's house, and we would work on lyric lyrics subject matter and vocal patterns to all these riffs that we had of music all these demos um bronze mother was going 
through cancer last year. My wife was beating breast cancer last year. So this is it was just obvious that mm. this is the shit that we need to. This is what's happening in our real lives. Yeah. And Mastodon tends to pull. We, we don't tend to. We we pull from our real life experiences and what's affecting us because we write music from the heart and it needs to mean it. Whether it's good or bad influences, that's what's going to come out in our writing and our lyrics and our riffs and everything else. So the music and the lyrics, they were just spilling all this stuff that we're going through every single day. So it, was, it turned into this very dark uh, subject matter that, that is themed throughout the whole record. However, we're, again, fortunate to, to, to put our minds together and try to make something beautiful out of the, all this really dark situation mm. in our personal lives. Because, again, we could have easily spiraled out of control. Um, so I'm so proud of my guys that this is the, this is the way we, we uh, react to real-life situations. And um, I found it to be very therapeutic for myself, and it felt good to channel this energy through this art that we call Mastodon. And uh, it's, it's, it's written from the heart, and it's really honest. So if people like it and it touches people, then I think that's the best and greatest compliment. And if people don't care for it, that's okay because it means the world to the four of us, yeah. and we're, we're super proud of well, it. Well, and that's the, the – the, without question, that's the reason why you should make music these days. It should, you know, first and foremost for you. I think you guys are very lucky, though, that by and large you have a fan base that has come along for the ride and expanded with each record and is open to all the turns you take. I mean, there's a lot of bands that have these fan bases that if you if you veer a little off of, you know, whether it was with you guys, Leviathan, or whatever you did, oh my God, it's, you know, it's not this big epic concept or whatever. They all, they, they, I don't, but your your fans seem to hang in there with just about everything you throw at them. I, I feel like we, you know, if we lose ten or fifteen fans, we gain a hundred. Yeah, you know, because we're not afraid to just play. We, we never signed a piece of paper that said we are a heavy metal band. We're only going to play heavy metal. Right. We play what we feel, and that you know, I'm trying to impress Troy and the other guys when I'm writing songs. I'm like, you guys like that? Is that cool? We don't. The one, the, the second that you start trying to stop that and, and write for individual fans is the day that you give up and you sold out because yep. you can't, you can't please everybody all the time. Yeah, Troy and Bill and Mastodon are here in the studio with me. They do have a tour coming up that we want to touch on as well. One of the things I appreciate about the band is you're very cognizant of, of doing cool packaging. There's always been cool album covers, and I noticed for this new record you can pre-order all these different bundles, like the vinyl bundle, the T-shirt, you know, comes with a T-shirt and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that that stuff is clearly important to you, as opposed to just saying, you know, here here go listen to it on yeah. some stream or go download yeah. this. Or I think we, that's we really have to cool. keep it alive. You know yeah. what I mean? We have to keep it alive. The, I'm sorry, Bill. The al- the art of the album as a whole. Has and always will be very important to us. Yeah, when we were we're from that generation of uh, you know saving up your allowance, go, yeah. getting a ride to the mall, going into record theater, <laughs> strawberries or wherever, and you know before bands were on the radio that you know heavy metal bands there weren't wasn't anywhere to listen to them, and you'd, you'd flip through the vinyl records and you find the cool looking covers like the Slayer albums uh, or you know King Crimson Red or whatever and I would just buy a bundle of them, like four or five and you know go up to the counter and bring them home and listen to each one just based on the, the cover itself yeah yeah having worked in a record store as I had for many, many years. I mean, it was a community of people that you connected with. Like, in other words, when people would come into the store I worked in, the manager, if they had long hair, the manager would immediately point to me and go, go help them. Because (laughs) he knew that I would speak their language and they would buy whatever I would suggest. And then if they liked it, most of the times they did, they'd come back and say, hey, what else do you recommend? So you kind of miss a little bit of that. And for me, you know, I, I grew up and still live in New Jersey. And every summer my family would go to the boardwalk at the Jersey Shore. So a lot of the records that I discovered, the way you would discover them is you would 
put a quarter down. They'd have these these stands, and if you guys had those as well, and you put a quarter down. If the number came up, you got to pick any record in the stand, but you couldn't hear them before you picked them, so you can only pick them really based off of what the album cover looked like. So for me, that's how I got into ACDC because Highway to Hell. Oh, the, the guy with the horns that'll yeah. piss off my parents, you know. Yeah, yeah. I got Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, Angels smoking cigarettes. I'm taking that <laughs> one, you know. So it's it's really important what that that's cause some people's first in, impression of a band is what they see. We want the album artwork to match what's inside the you know if you put all this time and effort into the record and writing the music and putting the passion and emotion inside you want that to reflect on the cover so people can say oh you know you don't want to have some crappy cover with a great record yeah so are you guys vinyl guys do you have oh yeah 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 totally did you keep your collection from back in the day too most of it yeah i just sell some of it for rent money back in the day you know or weed but (laughs) 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 most of it i still have yeah and I've collected a lot over the years just from, you know, traveling in the band. And, uh, you know, people are still putting out vinyl. You know, it's, it's, it's there's like a whole generation of kids that missed it. So now they're, like, trying to catch up. and Like, oh, man, i got to get this on, on purple vinyl yeah. or, or whatnot. What about you, Troy? You still have all yours? Absolutely. You, you kept it all from when you were a kid? Yeah. yeah. And you still you, you go out and grab some in stores when you're I do. out on tour and stuff? Absolutely. I it's mean, hard to do that overseas, so I try not to go to record stores because flying home with a you know a, 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 a cart a crate of of LPs is difficult. But in the states, we do, and uh, we do signings and meet and greets at uh, independent record stores across the states. We did one last couple days yep. ago, and uh, man, it's hard to walk out empty-handed. It is. Our our music is like uh, you know our, we like to uh, play the record as a whole. You know, it's like a whole that's masterpiece. It. Yeah, you know? it's not just one. Ba- oh, here's the hit single. You know, that's why it's so hard for us to say. Let's put out a single, or you know, when the record company comes to us. So, we like to, you know, it's a whole thing. You pull the record out, take it out of the sleeve. You're reading the liner notes. You're looking at pictures. Everything. You're, you're desperately. I, when I was a kid, I was desperately looking for a, a picture of the Dead Kennedys because they were like my favorite go-to band as uh-huh. a kid. You know, and could never find. It was such a mystique, mysterious that you know there was no internet back then. So. Of course, yeah, yeah. As growing up, a huge Kiss fan, the first thing I would do when I got a new Kiss record is like I'd cut, I'd open the side, I'd slit the side of the, and I'd, I'd turn it and shake it. Because Kiss records, they always jammed all kinds of shit in there. Like yeah. you know, the, the the Love Gun had a cardboard Love Gun. One album had tattoos. One had stickers. One had a booklet. Of course, everyone had the merch order form, mail away for merch. You know, they right. they were even doing that back then. But uh, you know that that even the smell of it, I can still remember the smell of taking that fresh record out of the jacket and all that. Uh, Sticky Fingers, uh, Rolling Stones record with the zipper and yeah. the underwear and such. The cool stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and if you got the one. After a while, they took the zipper away, yep. but they brought the zipper back, like the working zipper, you know, mm-hmm. all that. Physical graffiti. Oh, yeah. The windows lining them up and all that sort of stuff. I mean, and that's Led Zeppelin all... three with the pinwheel that spun yeah. around. I still have all those records. You got the original ones? I do, yeah. You know, they go for, if you need to buy some more weed, they go for huge <laughs> money. <laughs> I have a friend, no joke, I have a friend who, who also worked in the store with me back in the day, and he has all those original pressings of those records and they're going for he's getting on ebay like three four hundred dollars an album for them because here's what's interesting people aren't the the new breed of uh vinyl people they're not so much into like getting zeppelin 2 in the brand new double remastered 180 gram they want the very first early version of it and if you have that People are paying. He's he's literally getting like anywhere from like two to four hundred dollars for an album, 
and they don't want the new remastered ones. They want like the original right. ones. Yeah, that's good. So you're getting ready to go out on tour. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Doing and my laundry as we speak. <laughs> when do you start? Where do you start? We start in Missoula, Montana, because why would you not start in Missoula, Montana on April 14th? And um, you know that you know we've got this five-week U.S. tour. It's going to be Mastodon and our friends Eagles of Death Metal mm-hmm. and our friends uh, Russian Circles will round out the, the trilogy of, of the bands. The and trifecta. The trifecta. Yeah, mm. trilogy. I was thinking Star Wars trilogy. a minute ago at that commercial <laughs> it's hard break. not to think about Star Wars. Always. And... Uh, you know, it's funny. People say, oh, Missoula, that's cool. You know, it's, it's rare that we hit a, a, a different market. Uh, that was the first show on the five-week tour that sold out in advance. Really? And you know why? You go to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and you go to Pensacola, Florida, and you go to Missoula. They don't get anything. They're hungry. Yeah. There. And those, so if you see these on the tour dates, bands don't get bummed out like, oh, my God, we're going to Springfield, Missouri, and we're going to Tupelo. Because like, we feed off the, the fans. The fans are going to love it. They're gonna, it's going to be great. But that's cool that those you do that because, you know, this being satellite radio and, and reaching the entire country, I hear from every day I hear from people in places like that say, how come we get no shows here? You know, so the fact that you acknowledge that and that you'll go to those markets and 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 again, we talked earlier about so many bands over touring. It's like New York, Dallas, mm. L.A. bands coming through three, four times a year. You don't sell out because they're already you're already there, and there's so many bands. It's a overkill. Yeah, yeah. Eagles of Death Metal. Did you guys see the documentary? Yes, I did. It was I, I felt it was uh, beautifully devastating, and it was you know. Such a crazy, crazy, uh, you know, it's really close to home. Yeah. Oh, know. yeah. Well, and, and amazingly, uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was totally moved by it. And, uh, you know, for, for Jesse and those guys to go back there like they did and, yeah. and play that show was, you know, I reached out. I don't really know those guys, but I reached out to their management after I saw the documentary because I said I'd love, you know, people need to see this and, and know about it. Mm-hmm. And I had been talking about it a lot on the air. I said I'd love to have – you know, Jesse, come on or call in and just kind of talk about the doc and make sure people know to watch it. And uh, I, their management said to me, we appreciate all the nice things you've been saying, but he actually doesn't want to do any interviews about it. And, and I said, you know what? I totally respect that. I yeah. get it. You know, it's not it's not it, I, I could see both sides of it. The doc is going to speak for itself and send the message and then move on from it. Yeah, I, yeah, I was even surprised that they stayed a band. Honestly, I, I was like that. That is one tough uh, band to I mean, that's a big devastating thing to happen at a show i mean god I, I, every time i would get together i would feel you'd feel that but for them to overcome it and to keep on going forward is uh you know that takes that takes a lot so i applaud them for that yeah and and you mentioned it troy i mean doing what you guys do even doing what i do because i'm constantly at shows at festivals i'm constantly on stages introducing bands and stuff when you see things like that happen or or what happened tragically with dime how many years ago and and these sort of incidents i mean it does hit close to home because you're out there and and you're all over the world and you're on these stages and you're playing these people and the great majority of them there are there because they love you and support you and all that but having a good time it's hard to kind of uh you know, you kind of have to keep it out of your mind and just, I think, focus on the moment because there's not. After a certain point, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and focusing on the moment's a, a giant part of why we wrote our new record. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's about that and the time uh, that we have and how we're spending it and and making sure that everything that we do is worth it to us as individuals and as a band. Yeah, so. yeah, no yeah. doubt. So. Um, you're also, as part of this tour, doing a bunch of uh, festival dates, right? You're popping up on some of the big festivals out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Which some ones are you guys on? I know we're on Carolina Rebellion, and we're doing the uh, Fort Rock and Fort Myers 
Florida and the Jacksonville. There's the one in Vegas. And there's one in Vegas called Las Regis. Yes. I just so, had somebody just reached out to me about that one yesterday. Actually. Having having done um, a majority of the European festivals the bulk of the past 17 years or so, it's so nice to see a, a multitude of U.S. festivals happening and being successful. I think it's great. Yeah. For years, I heard from people... How come Europe gets all the festivals? Now we've got a ton of them here in yeah, America. Cool. And we, we said last year, or Troy said, he's like, I really like to play some of these U.S. festivals and, and be a part of, you know, be a part of that whole thing. I mean, the the, the European festivals are great; they're really well uh, maintained, and uh, thousands of people come out. But you know, this, we're from here; we like to, you know, put our face on some of these festivals. Of all the touring that you've done and all the bands you've toured with, do you have a standout? Is there a moment? Was there a tour? Was there a band that you toured with, even maybe that you're fans of, that you're like, I can't believe we're out on the road with these guys? Was there that sort of moment? There's been a, a lot of those. Very fortunate we are that we've said that about nine times now. We got <laughs> I mean, to, you know, we just did Iron a Maiden, Priest, Priest, Tool, Slayer, Metallica, a couple Metallica tours in South America. That was ridiculous. Um, yeah, we've been very lucky to get picked up by all of our. Our heavy metal heroes. How did you guys do with Slayer? They uh, surprisingly well. You know, I got. I mean, hit. with the audience, we, yeah, good. We've done. I mean, we, when we signed with uh, you know Nick and Rick, same management, same management, we immediately became their opening band <laughs> for for many months and many years. We would play with Slayer a lot. You know, they kind of got us. But we were always my Slayer was one of my favorite bands growing up. Thrash, you know, and I was always afraid that. Because I've been to their concerts and the you opening bands, yeah. you don't even know who the hell <laughs> no, they are. That's because why I asked. All you hear is Slay, right? Slay, right. but when we toured, we actually turned some heads. <clears throat> Obviously, I got. Uh, that's the only time I've been hit square in the uh, across the the bridge of my nose uh, with a giant Italian sausage that was had hot mustard on it. <laughs> And the sausage broke on the the my my the bone on my nose here, and the it broke your bone. No, 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 your... the, the sausage did. So oh, the oh. the hot dog bun uh, crumbled and fell right below me, all, all over my pedal board, and the spicy mustard went into my eyes. Uh, this is the first song. Uh, Called, we opened up with a song called Iron Tusk in the Las Vegas uh, Hockey Arena, Sporting Slayer. And I was impressed because I didn't realize they sold giant Italian sausages at a Slayer <laughs> show. I wasn't upset. Now, the, the spicy mustard burned my eyes. I got sensitive eyes. I wear contacts. So that sucked. But besides that, it was kind of a giggle. Uh, it's better than being hit in the head with uh, batteries. Yeah. That's not cool. Don't throw batteries, people. Has that happened to you? Uh, a nine volt missed me, but I was like, "That's wrong." You know, that's uh, well. You think about back in the day, they used to sell, they used to throw fireworks. If you talk, you talk <laughs> about the seventies, really but if you talk about the seventies, that was a thing. I, wow. I mean, I'm fifty two, so I'm I got a few years on you guys, and I, I my first show was seventy seven, nice. which is Kiss at the Garden, and then from there it just went. But if you listen to like in the late seventies <clears> and early eighties, it was a thing, the dumbest thing, but it was a thing for people to go. To shows and throw fireworks from M80s from That's the nuts. Listen to Aerosmith live bootleg, which is actually a live live recording, and there that. are songs where during the intro you hear the M80s going off in the air. That wouldn't wow. fly this uh, in 2017. That wouldn't work. No, <laughs> thankfully. But Troy, I'm, la- I'm laughing because you know to to get out of doing all those shows with Slayer and only come out with getting hit in the face with the sausage, <laughs> yeah, and spicy mustard, the eyeballs, not complaining. Pretty good because even people like that. That's that was. It's not like like in the last 15, 20 years. It's not nearly as bad with Slayer, but right. before that, yeah. it does. It you could have been the best man in the world. 
and it didn't matter. Right. I used to go out and introduce Slayer when they played in New York, and I'm like the one of the few people on the planet that plays their records on the radio, and the fans would still just boo. I'm <laughs> I'm friends with Mike Piazza, the the yeah. former baseball yeah. player, one of my best friends, and he's a huge Slayer fan, and he used to come to these shows with me and stay off on the side of the stage. He goes, "You're going to go out there and introduce them? They're fucking animals. Are you crazy?" And and one time Mike goes to me. I'm going to give you my catcher's equipment. You better go out there with the face mask yep. and the chest protector because it was that intense. Yeah. But they've calmed down a little bit. It's yeah. not. It's not quite That's as bad true. as it was. Hey, I, I got to ask you real quick, Bill. Did and I? I don't. I read this in some research. Did were you in Game of Thrones? Uh, yes, you were. I was. What were you? A wildling. Whoa! Season six. Um... Episode eight. Forget episode about Mastodon. Eight. Let's clear yeah, another yeah. hour right now. Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, well, we played a festival uh, in the UK. Let's and... get this microphone closer. Oh, I don't I'm want sorry. to lose a note of this. So, yeah, we, we played a festival in uh, Nebworth in uh, the UK, and some of the guys, some of the cast, and uh, uh, D.B. Weiss was there as well. And uh, we some of us had let, gone back to our bus or wherever, but they had come up for a picture with Brent. Our other guitar player, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, I notice you guys have American accents. Like, who are you?" And they're like, "Oh, well, I'm the director for Game of Thrones. We're over here shooting. Uh, these are some of the actors. We, we love your band." And was this in Ireland? Did you say? No, it was in uh, it was in England. Because they, sh- I thought they shot in Ireland. <laughs> they do. They do. Like, right, okay. They were at the Nebworth Fest. They're at the Nebworth uh, Fest at the castle, and they, uh, you know, we're like, "Oh, we want to get a picture with you guys. We, we we like your band." And Brent was like, "Well, man, we love the show. How can we be on it?" And he's like, oh, well, here, take my email. And uh, we talked, you know, we we basically just, uh, we're about to do another tour a few months later, and it started in Dublin. And they said, oh, well, these are the dates we would need you guys to be extras. And we're like, oh, it's, it matches up perfectly. So we've kept a very good relationship with those guys. And uh, So Brent was in it as well? Yep, and Braun. And and when you saw it back, could you tell it was you? <laughs> yeah, for that split second, it's, you know, it's, right. uh, we're there. We we also did a song for Game of Thrones. That's for the uh, the Game of Thrones mixtape. Yeah, I think Anthrax did something with that yeah. too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, we wrote a real real pretty kind of kind of outside the box for us um, song, but it came out really really good, and uh, very excited about that. And we also did like a Game of Thrones T-shirt with a White Walker on the front, and. Um, I mean, we're big fans of the show. The show is incredible. Yeah, no, I watch it as well. That's why I want to. So keep wow, your eyes, cool. keep your eyes open. Well, you got another one well, coming up. I don't know. I can't can't really talk about it. Wow, you're gonna get to go like date the Khaleesi or something? <laughs> and I step did, it I up did or... get to meet her. You met the Khaleesi? Oh yeah. Wow, that's big. It was man. great. We were doing our catering. makeup. We were doing our makeup together. <laughs> oh, that was catering. Did you get yeah. to sit in the chair? Oh yeah. You you sat in the chair. Yeah. Oh, he's going to show me the I picture. Like he's pictures. going to the phone. Whoa, that's huge. Oh, man. it was it was great. I Troy, mean, no interest for you in Game of Thrones, or they didn't invite you. What no, happened? No, very much interest, but I had um, I had uh, a pre. Um, I couldn't make it. Okay. All right. I was doing something with the family, and uh, I felt it was. Uh, I, I was I thankfully uh, passed on the situation. Speaking of doing things on the side of uh, Mastodon, though, real quick, you you did a cool record with a side thing, Killer Be Killed. I did. That was uh, did did you plan you plan on doing more of that? You guys going to do yeah, another one? Or? We are. We're doing another record this year. So is that a good thing for you guys to all be able to have that? Because I know Brent did a a good friend of mine is Ben Weinman from Dillinger yeah. Escape Plan, and Brent just did a, yep. a thing with him, Draft yeah. Tongue Orchestra. And they just played it South by Southwest. Yeah, their first South show West. in America. Yeah, yep, that was cool. Um, 
I, I think it's cool. I think it's healthy to play with other people. I enjoy it. It's what I love to do. It makes me a better person, a better player, better bandmate. Yeah. So I enjoy doing it when and where I can. Um, but obviously Mastodon is, is my main thing, and, and that's where my main sure. time is dedicated towards you know family, Mastodon, and then if I can squeeze in some other uh, you know musical projects to jam with other people. Like Colin Hay? Like Colin Hay. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad we put that out there today, Eddie. You're, you're the catalyst for this one. <laughs> well, listen, man, I appreciate you guys uh, coming in and, and taking some time. I know you got to go and, uh, and and get on with your promotion. Bill's scrolling through his phone. He's I gonna, got so many. He's going to show me some of these uh, some of these Game of Thrones uh, pictures, which I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing. Uh, wait, we got one right here. Whoa. <laughs> That's pretty good. How much makeup time is that? Uh, about two hours. About two hours. Wow. Real Real hair there on the face, too. Wow. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, scroll around if you like. See more. <laughs> <laughs> I like the faces. You're totally getting into the cat. You're like, you know. I mean, when we were around some of those characters, like the White Walkers, they were evil looking. Like, oh, you got pictures so... of the sets and stuff. There's the chair. <laughs> oh, that's intense, man. Yeah, we're we're very honored to be a part of it. It was great. What's this picture with all these naked? Ch- no, I'm just kidding. All <laughs> those naked dudes. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so listen, man. Thank you guys for coming in. I appreciate it. Good luck with the new record, Emperor of Sand. Everybody is out from Mastodon tomorrow. Honestly, it sounds great. I really thank last you. the last two three records you guys have made. I really really enjoyed. Totally loved the loved the vocal stuff going on. You know the, the singing. You know Troy, you, you as well, and uh, and Braun. I mean, I love what's. Where the direction of the band is is been headed the last few years is definitely in my world. So we've been we've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> not that you're not. I know that you said it was exciting for you to finally be on the show with me, but I didn't expect you to completely take a musical turn to get more into my wheelhouse. But I appreciate yeah. you doing that. Oh, sure, great. that wasn't intentional. Thank but, you. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for coming in. I appreciate it, and uh, safe travels on the road. Thank you. Thanks for having. Me. Thanks to Bill Kelleher and Troy Sanders of Mastodon for joining me and of course earlier vivian campbell for joining me on this week's eddie trunk podcast thank you guys for listening each and every week spread the word and we uh we appreciate the support as always patronize the sponsors thanks for doing that keeping this podcast as a free thing for you to check out each and every week be sure to check the archives become a podcast one premium member if you want to go back into the archives even deeper of the eddie trunk podcast thanks to katie Rizari. she is the producer of this fine podcast. You can connect with me at Eddie Trunk on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Have a good week, everybody. Don't forget, if you listen to my Sirius XM show, Triumph reuniting for my radio show this coming Wednesday, live from Toronto. Don't miss that. Bob Ezrin with me in the studio, live from Toronto this coming Tuesday. That's all happening 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, live on Sirius XM, 106 volume, replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Have a great one, everybody, and I'll see you next week for another all-new podcast. We post every Thursday new on podcastone.com and iTunes.
name is Raven, professional wrestling superstar, world-class idiot, and raconteur extraordinaire. Join me for my new podcast, The Raven Effect. Every Monday here on the Jericho Network on Podcast One, we'll be covering current events and any and all topics that can be properly bantered. Download and listen to the show on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on iTunes. Quote the Raven, nevermore. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.